Hello everyone. Hello my beans of life. Um, welcome to episode 32. Stoked that we're already up to 32. This is very exciting. Today the episode is going to be around, I don't know the title yet. I'll figure it out at some point, I'm sure. But it's going to be about how to know if someone is into you. Now this goes for if you're just into someone and you're, you've never hooked up, you're never dating and you're just trying to read the signs. But it also goes for when you're actually seeing someone but you're not it's not locked in as a relationship and you're like where do I stand with this person do I think it's going to progress or not so I'm going to be talking about the signs there that you can pick up on based on their behavior so you could make an informed decision of where that's headed and it's also going to be talking about when you are in a legitimate full-on relationship it's been established that you're dating but you feel that there's certain behaviors that they're not doing or they're not responding to and you're not sure if they actually do love you. Is it more a control relationship or is it more just a good for now relationship for them when you might actually be really in love with them and you don't really know if you should pursue it or if you should kind of let it go. So I, yeah, I want, I'm going to talk about all those three different things because I think it's super important because I get DM'd all the time and I get it on the Facebook group as well. Um, people asking, look, I've been seeing this guy, but these behaviors keep happening. Or I've been seeing this girl, but she'll say the whatever. And asking all these questions being like, should I return? Should I accept the apology? Do I need to be going back? Do they love me? Is this behavior of love or whatever, whatever. So I think this is very important to talk about. But as usual, before we get into that, I do want to quickly go over my week that was. I went to Queensland last week. And it was amazing. So the borders, I live in Sydney and the borders just opened up on the first and I flew up on the second. And I recorded my last podcast like prior to that. So I didn't really talk about um, any of that. I mainly, so I went straight to the Gold Coast because I was going to the Jagger and Stone Christmas party, which was the biggest vibe. So if you guys know Lucy and Nikki from the Happy Hour podcast, they have their label Jagger and Stone and they throw the best parties and it was they took out like it was like a property on the hinterlands of the Gold Coast so amazing it was there was like a bar a pizza truck this kind of deck within like all these trees in the woods and like a DJ set up with these amazing DJ honestly we had the best time and I got to meet so many people and see so many people that I hadn't seen in ages so that was just so good for the soul. And then from there, I went to Brisbane where my parents live and I've got lots of friends there and family. So I was able to catch up, you know, with cousins, parents, friends. It was such a good recharge for my batteries, my my soul emotional batteries. Um, so not not very much a relaxing trip, but very needed. And it's just so nice to come back after having seen everyone. So that was amazing. And I'm feeling very grateful for that. Um, and I got to do my live with Rachel Dillon in the Gold Coast at her office, which was so great because I actually met her at the party, at the Jagger and Stone party. And we literally, because before that we hadn't met, um, we've never met in person and we've only met doing the lives and, you know, over the phone and over email. So it was so great to meet her and her sister Emma in person. And we literally just hit it off like a house on fire. It was incredible. We just vibe. We are so on the same page about so many things. So um, it just confirms how great this collaboration has been working with her doing all the mindset side of things for her four-week challenge and really also super excited to announce that we'll be working 
throughout all of next year on all the challenges together, bringing like everything together with mindset, training, eating, all of that. So I'm so excited to be working with her because she, I genuinely align with her so much. She's such a great person. She's, yeah, she's definitely someone that if you don't already follow her, if you like what the kind of stuff that I say, I highly recommend you also follow her because yeah, she's just got such a healthy outlook on a balanced life. I feel that she's definitely the definition of a balanced, healthy life where everything is in moderation and you're not cutting anything out of your life, whether it's, you know, physical activity or eating or anything like that. So I think we tie in really well with each other. So that was fucking amazing. We've also been doing um, the the most recent live that we did was actually on Instagram. So if you do want to go and check that out, because we did this on just a couple of days ago now. And it was all about mindset around relationships and relationship breakdowns and all everything around that. If you're interested in watching that, she's saved it to her Instagram page, The Bodies by Rachel Instagram page. So she's got two. It's her personal page and then The Bodies by Rachel page. And it's it's on the grid there. So you'll find the post there. And it goes for about 50 minutes. And we answer all your questions as it's happening. So people can ask questions while we're doing the live. And we can kind of – we both discuss it. So that's – yeah, really cool and a lot of fun. So excited to be, yeah, doing more of that next year. Another thing that I wanted to ask you guys, it's probably no point asking you on the podcast, but whatever. I'll put it on my Facebook group as well, is I feel like I want to start doing a couple of lives here and there, just occasionally maybe. And I'm wondering if I should do it on my Facebook group. If you're not already a member, it's uh, Do You Fucking Mind with Alexis Fernandez or on my Instagram, just so I can have more live one-on-one well, one on many kind of answering questions on the spot kind of thing. I think that that would be really cool for our community, but I'm going to ask this question again on the Facebook page and you guys let me know if you would find that useful and also what times would be useful. So I'll probably put a little poll up there or something because that would be very cool. Another exciting thing was I got my uni results back for the semester and I got a distinction overall. So, so happy with that. It's been a hectic semester But yeah, it's just nice to see that the hard work has paid off because I'm one of those people that if I put in kind of the effort needed to pass and I get a pass, I'm happy. But if I'm like just absolutely killing myself to get a good mark, I really, really want that good mark. So when I get it, it just feels like such a payoff. Um, And sometimes that doesn't happen. It's just, it's a hard course to do. So sometimes you'll think, okay, I've done everything in my power and I just get a credit or a pass or something, which is fine. And like I talk about, there's many things that will not be in your control. But as you guys can imagine, it's obviously fucking exciting when the score that you get like aligns with the amount of effort that you put in. So I feel like I'm ending the year on a very big high with the book, with uni, with, you know, the collaborations with Rachel Dillon, with everything I've done with you guys, my community. I'm just, yeah, super grateful. We're in this great position Um and yeah, it's all thanks to you guys. So danke. Um, cool. That's pretty much my week wrapped up. Now, I know, I think you guys know that my best friend, Olivia, um, she's been on the podcast before. And if you follow me on Instagram, she's all over my Instagram. I'm just going to say this out here because I know she listens to my podcast. So this is a the, this is a public service announcement to Olivia. I'm going to start doing some Instagram takeovers of her Instagram account just to be a pest and a pain in her ass because I feel like she she hates when like all the um, 
you know when at the top of your Instagram when you do stories, how it's like a little line, but if you do a fuckload of stories, it's all these little dots and I call it Morse code. So I'm trying to get her used to having more of a Morse code kind of story where there's all these stories up purely just because I love pressing her buttons and it's a good time. But this morning I was trying to get all this content of her French bulldog who's hilarious Lester, you probably all know him. And she literally had it for an hour and then when I wasn't there, she went and deleted it. So I feel I need to do a full-on takeover. So I'll do a vote there. Who agrees that I should do that? I think it's a strong yes from everyone because it's just a good time. Anyway, that's that. So Liv, hope you're listening. Hope you agree with that. We're thrilled. Um, Oh, separate to this, next week's podcast is going to be with Liv and we're basically doing a 2020 wrap up. We're going to, I'm going to put up a little question box on my Instagram at some point next week and we're going to get people asking questions about, you know, how to wrap up the year, how to enter the year with lessons you've learned, all that shit. It's going to be very empowering for 2021. Now, we're going to go into my segment of brain facts. Now, I think it's very clear that I'm obsessed, not just with the brain, but with pharmacology. I love chemistry of the brain. I love the chemicals, all the neurotransmitters. I'm so into pharmacology. It's probably been my favorite subject at uni so far. So my last few episodes, I think, have been more around pharmacology, but I'm just going to you know, throw a, a few more facts in there about it. So today, I'm going to be talking about nicotine and its effects on the brain. So this goes for if you smoke or if you use a vape, anything that has nicotine in it. So a lot of vapes these days have nicotine. I think there's some that don't. But anyway, that's what we're talking about. And it's just, yeah, I think it's just good to know what's happening in your brain that causes the feeling that you get when you have nicotine and also that causes the desire for more or an addiction to it. So nicotine is the main psychoactive component of tobacco. And what it does is that it activates certain receptors for the neurotransmitter called acetylcholine. So acetylcholine will bind on a receptor and have its effects on that cell. And what nicotine does, similar to other things that I've spoken about in the past and other neurotransmitters, it binds at a site next to that receptor and it turns up what acetylcholine is doing. So it's an agonist, which means that it encourages more action. Antagonist uh, will decrease the action. Agonist will increase the action. So these receptors that nicotine binds to is called nicotinic acetylcholine receptors and it's found in the central nervous system, which is your brain and your spinal cord and your brainstem, but it's also found in your peripheral nervous system. So it's all the nerves that extend out from your spinal cord and from like your cranial nerves, so from your brain as well. When nicotine binds to that receptor, it causes like a whole release of all these different neurotransmitters Um, And but then that's why you then have this onset of rewarding and addictive qualities because it's got the ability to increase dopamine levels in particular areas of the brain. And one of those areas is called the nucleus accumbens. And this particular area where there's quite a high um, release of dopamine in that particular area, it's heavily involved in rewards processing. And because of that, it's implicated in a lot of like addictive behaviors, your addiction pathways and all of that. So people that are addicted to, whether it's alcohol, drugs, nicotine, um, even social media, it could be any kind of addiction. You're getting a a high amount of firing and dopamine release in the nucleus accumbens, which then like is also connected to some, another area that is called the ventral tegmental area. I'm not going to go into that, but basically it's a bit of a loop. It's a circuit in the brain and people that have addiction or addictive personalities, they're going to have much more firing in those areas. Um, So you get, so 
On top of that, you get an increased release of the neurotransmitter acetylcholine. And this is where there's that enhancement of cognition and attention. So if anyone here has had nicotine, cigarettes, vapes, whatever, you might feel that you're more alert, you're more like, yeah, you feel more um, attentive, more aware, and your cognitive performance is heightened. Um, and there's also an increase in norepinephrine, which is similar to adrenaline, a neurotransmitter similar to adrenaline, um, which that contributes to that feeling of being aroused or stimulated. So that's inside the brain, but then it also acts on receptors in the peripheral nervous system. So all those nerves that extend out from your spinal cord, um, where you feel physical changes as well. So that's increased sympathetic nervous system activity. So that's your heart rate going up, your blood pressure going up, and you get these physical symptoms after you take nicotine. Now, the more you take nicotine, the more you desensitize these receptors that nicotine binds to, these acetylcholine, these nicotinic acetylcholine receptors. So then you become, well, these receptors become less responsive. So your tolerance goes up. That's why in order to feel the same high that you would have of one drag, you need a whole cigarette and that thing, like because you've got this, your tolerance starts to build and build and build and you need more of that same drug to feel the effects that you did the first time. Um, so your brain responds to this tolerance going up by creating more acetylcholine receptors. So all these receptors start popping up on the surface of the cell. So you're getting, you're able to have more of the nicotine. And that is why you feel people that try and get off, off um, like nicotine cigarettes or vapes or whatever, any addictive substance, that's why you're going to feel such intense withdrawals and cravings when you try and get off nicotine because you've got so many more receptors depending on or needing that dose that is normally induced. So when you do eventually get off it, you actually can, those, those receptors can actually drop back down to the original amount of receptors you have. So that that's, the brain is quite plastic. So it can grow receptors and it can get rid of receptors when they're not needed and things like that. So you, that's why eventually these withdrawal symptoms do ease off. Your brain finds that homeostasis and it can find its balance again. But yeah, that's kind of what's going on in the brain when you have nicotine. So interesting little pharmacology fact there, fun fun brain pharmacology fact for the day. Good times. Okay, now let's get straight into the podcast topic today. Before we do get into it, I just want to make a little note at the start of this that while it can feel extremely upsetting to come to terms with the fact that someone might not actually be into you once you've read all these signs um, or that, you know, especially if it's unrequited love, you really are in love with someone and they're not feeling it back or you're in a relationship with someone and you're realizing it's not really love, it's more a control thing. As much as it sucks and it feels like pretty fucked to feel that someone doesn't love you back or someone's actually not into you even though they're, they're acting out like as if they are. My aim for this podcast is for you to feel empowered at the end of this because even when you come to that realization that someone doesn't like you, this is your opportunity where you can take your power back and take control over where you're going to place your time and energy because knowing what isn't for you and being able to walk away from it, being able to close that chapter and then committing to being ready and open for something new and exciting turns out to be the best feeling ever because you feel super empowered from so from a situation where you're like I have no power here because I can't change how someone feels about me you then go to being completely empowered because you then have the choice to walk away especially in a situation where someone 
isn't wanting to fully commit or doesn't fully love you, but strings you along. There's no more powerful feeling than you being able to say, you know what, I'm going to make the call here. I'm going to sever this tie. I'm going to walk away because I'm very well aware of this situation and it is not serving me. It's not serving my future self and it's not serving my mental health. There's nothing more powerful than that. So while it might suck in the short term, it is the most empowering thing you can do for yourself long term. So hear me out, hear out this podcast, do yourself a fucking favor because we're going to, you know, do some serious, you know, looking like a serious um, overview of our lives and the relationships that we have in our life. And we're going to sever some weak fucking dogs. Okay. So let's dive deep. Let's get straight into it. Okay. So the first one that I'm going to be covering is um, how to know if someone's into you when you're not even dating you have a crush on someone and you're not sure if they like you back or if it's completely unrequited love in the sense that you love them but it's not reciprocated so some of the things that I'm going to be saying here might seem extremely obvious and I feel that it's a lot more obvious to somebody who's not in that situation because I can hand on my heart say and openly admit that I have been in my time in this situation so many times where I, where it's been unrequited where I've just because my thing is that when I do fall for someone it's fucking game over for me I genuinely fall hard and I might not be one of those people that's like oh, love hard eyes whatever kind of but deep down I feel it and I feel it strongly and when I love I love very hard so in the times that I've fallen for someone who has absolutely not reciprocated but where there is some form of communication I've been very much in denial And I will clutch on to straws and minimal behaviors and minimal signs and turn it into something that works in my favor. I've been there and the annoying thing is that I've been there many times. So I feel like I can definitely speak from experience because at the time that I was there, it wasn't so clear to me to see it. But now looking back, it's just the clearest, it's the clearest thing in the world to see those signs. So I do think it's important to address these, even if some of them do seem to be obvious. So firstly, what is unrequited love? Um, It's, I think I just covered this. It's yeah, where you feel something towards someone where you love them and it could be that you've told them this and they're kind of like, arming and ahhing and not making it clear how they feel back to you or it could be where they're a friend and you're madly in love with them and you're not sure how they feel towards you and you in your head use the excuse that oh well we've been friends for so long now how are they going to know that I now like them and you know maybe they actually like me back but they're not acting on it because they might think that we're just friends and they might not see it from me so it's this very confusing place to be in the number one thing that you need to look at is how Often are they initiating contact with you, whether it's a text, a phone call or inviting you to do something. Now, I understand that this might be a little bit tricky if you have a strong friendship first, but in general, do you find that you are the one that's initiating contact and it doesn't matter how keen they are to reply and it doesn't matter if they reply straight away or if they always reply in a positive way, if they are never initiating contact or rarely or if the times that they're initiating contact are relevant to something that you're going to do. So, for example, if you say to someone, um, hey, why don't we go out for a walk tomorrow? And they respond saying, yep, that sounds good. If they then message you later saying, what time is that walk? 
that doesn't count as them initiating contact. Make that clear and be strict with yourself. I'm talking about initiating contact out of the blue. Them just on their own accord deciding, "Mm, I'm thinking about that person. I really want to message them or I really want to call them. How often does that happen? And look at the percentage, look at the ratio because there's a big, big, big sign. Because think about it, if you like someone, even if you're just friends, they are going to want to contact you when they feel like it, just because they're thinking of you or just because they want to start up a conversation or find an excuse to talk to you. They will find an excuse. The next thing is stop making excuses for why they're not contacting you. The idea of, oh, I know they're really busy or I know they had a massive weekend, so it's probably why they didn't message me back. Say, let's say you met someone, you were out, maybe you hooked up, maybe you had a one night stand and you vibed off this person and now you're kind of into them, you'd like it to go further, you've sent them a follow-up message, they might have replied, you maybe sent them another follow-up message, they replied, but now there's like a three-day window where they're not messaging you and you're thinking, oh, look, the reason that they haven't messaged me is because I know that they had their staff party and I know that they were probably really hung over the next day and bang, 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 bang. That is a sign that they don't feel they don't feel the same way about you because unless they are in a coma, 99.99% of people in a first world country have their phones attached to their hand at least, at least several hours in a day. So the fact that they haven't had the initiative to message you, even if they're hungover, that's not an excuse. People can still text when they're hungover. Um, even if they're at some event, you can still send a message when you're at an event. If you want to, you would do it, Right. Like if you're in a situation where you're thinking about someone and they're on your mind, you will contact them. It's not to say that they're 100% not into you, but there's a big chance that you like them way more than they like you. And if it's very, very early days, I'm not saying sever them, but I'm saying start becoming aware of these behaviors because of course they could be someone that is a little bit standoffish with someone they don't know well. But I'm just saying if this behavior is occurring with another behavior and another behavior, then all signs are pointing to they're just not into you and it is an unrequited love situation. The next thing is if the if you're feeling that it's mixed messages. So someone might try and string you along even if you've never hooked up and you're not hooking up because gaining attention feels nice. So you might be a fun person. You might be a really good person and that person can acknowledge that and they enjoy your company and more than that, they enjoy your attention. It's nice to be liked by someone, especially if they think that it's just like a flirty, fun thing. If they're anyone with like an actual heart, they probably wouldn't want someone being head over heels in love with them if they don't feel that back because it's not nice to have someone not love you back. But if they're not aware how intensely you like them, they might play along with this flirtatious thing because it's nice to get attention. Everyone loves attention, especially when it's extremely positive and especially when you're probably holding them in a really high esteem. So mixed messages occur when someone is trying to string along this flirtatious um, relationship that you're having, even if you've never like taken action as in a hookup or anything like that. So for example, sometimes they're going to be really fun and playful And then the next day they're going to be quite dismissive because they don't see you that way. So for them, it's not a big deal to be a bit cold or dismissive and they probably don't mean to be mean, but in their minds, they don't see this as a, as a romantic thing. So they don't 
feel that they owe you being extra sweet or extra attentive or extra nice. So you're going to keep getting these mixed messages and when they do have the time or unfortunately when they're bored, they might then hit you up for a message or they might, you know, so start looking at the patterns of how are the signals that they're giving you. Is it consistent or is it mixed? Do it feels like Does it feel like sometimes they're just treating you like a bro or other times they're being quite playful and it looks like, Maybe it's flirting, maybe it's not. That's a big, big sign. And then lastly, the last one I'm going to talk about as far as unrequited love or a crush, whatever, is how do you view them? If you think that they are perfect, the problem with that is that you then start making all these excuses for their behaviors or their lack of action. You start, you know, you've got to be very aware of how you view them because true love, Real love occurs when you can meet someone for who they are and you understand their flaws and you can acknowledge their flaws and say, flaws and all, I'm prepared to put up with those particular flaws that that person has. They are flaws, but they're fine because we've all got them. Um, But I'm not making excuses for that person's behavior and I'm not saying that, you know, they're doing it for this or they're doing it for that. You can look at someone coldly being like, I'm going to meet you in the middle where equals, you're not on a pedestal, that behavior is annoying. That The problem is when you've got a massive crush on someone and they're not reciprocating, you then in your head start creating all these reasons as to why they might not reciprocate or why or they've had a really stressful time or all these things. No, no. If someone likes you, they will behave the way you are behaving towards them. End of story, whether they're stressed, whether they're working hard. If you like someone, you like someone. That's it. End of story. No excuses. Okay, the next, the next one I'm going to be talking about is now someone that you've been seeing for a while. Could be a few months. It could be longer, whatever, where you've been maintaining a casual in some way, shape or form, a casual relationship. It could be someone that you've been sleeping with on a regular basis or it could be someone that you're not only just sleeping with them but hanging out with them, you're doing social things with them, you're messaging them all the time. But when it comes to actually being exclusive and being committed, they're not wanting to do that. Now, there might be a whole array of reasons, but often if you've made it clear that you are into them or that you want it to be exclusive and you've kind of shown them enough signs, whether you spell it out or whether you've just shown it through your behaviors, that you actually really like them and you're wanting that in return, often they're going to come up with reasons as to why they can't enter a relationship with you. Now, the first one that I'm going to tackle is the excuse of I'm afraid of commitment. This I'm afraid of commitment bullshit is the lamest flimsiest, limpest excuse ever. It's like a limp fucking soggy fucking tea bag that's been soaking overnight, which has lost all its form and integrity. That is how I feel about the fucking excuse of I'm not ready for commitment. Bullshit. Bullshit. I'm just not into you is what they should be saying. Someone that says that they're not, like they're they're afraid of commitment or they're a commitment phobe or they're not ready for commitment. They're just not that into you. End of story. Because what is this idea of commitment? What is the, what's the problem? No one's got a gun to your head saying, if you commit now, you're fucked. You're fucked for the rest of your life. You can never leave this person. 
That's not happening. The point of dating is basically a trial run to see if you want to then spend your life with that person. Dating and and entering in a monogamous relationship, that is the trial period. So if someone is not even willing to enter the trial period with you, they're not into you. That is it. That's all you need to know. When they say, oh, I'm afraid of commitment, what are you afraid of? Do you think that the moment we decide, let's be exclusive and let's try this out, you're going to die? Everything's going to change? Not much changes other than your intention towards each other. They're just saying, I don't want to close off my other options. That's what they're saying. Because there's no reason that someone shouldn't want to commit unless they just don't want to commit. Full stop. So if someone is saying to you, I'm a commitment phobe, run for the hills. Never, ever, ever is that them saying, I like you. Never. So don't ever fall for it. It's done. That like That's a fucking deal breaker. If you're actually in love with them, save yourself your energy, save yourself your mental health and step the fuck away. It's okay for someone not to be sure of you. But then you can then turn around and say, okay, you're not sure of me. That's fine. No bad blood, no hard feelings. Au revoir. Goodbye. That's it. Another thing that people will do is make excuses as to why they can't enter an exclusive relationship right now. They say things like, oh, it's just that work's really hectic right now. It's going to calm down in a few months and then I can give this more time and attention. Or, oh, it's just that I've got kids and I'm really afraid that I'd, like, I don't want to rush things with the children. Or it could be like, I'm just so stressed. There's so much going on in my life and I can't, whatever. These things may be true. They might be really like busy at work. They might be super stressed. They might have a lot of things going on with children or whatever. All those things might be true. But there's no real proper end date to those things and that is them stringing you along. That, that whole – when someone is stringing you along without locking you down after you have made it clear that you want to progress further with this relationship and they've got all these excuses that I just mentioned, that's weak fucking energy. They don't have the balls or the vagina to call it because they're afraid to be alone. They don't want to be alone with themselves, with their thoughts, whatever. So they selfishly use you as an emotional crutch or band-aid until they find something or someone that's going to replace it because it's these people that, you know, they might find a better match. They might think you're a legend, but you're just not for them. They, they, they're waiting for the next best thing to come along. And it's got nothing to do with who you are as a person. You could be a legend. It doesn't matter because everyone has their own match and it just might not be you. So it's not a personal stab, but if someone's making all these excuses, it's because they acknowledge that you're good enough, but you're just not their match. And they just don't want to fully let go of you because you, you serve a certain things within their life. You give, you give them attention. You give them affection. When they want someone there, they have it. You, you, they might also get sex from you. There's all these things that they could be getting. But if they're not willing to lock you down because of all these reasons, they're just not that into you. Because relationships are about compromise. So you can enter into a relationship if you're fully open and honest being like, look, sorry that I'm a little bit that I don't, I can't dedicate as much time to you because I have children. But I really, really like you. I really want you in my life. I want to make this work. But are you open to seeing me a little bit less because I've got to really be slow with this progress with my kids. 
that's option one. Another thing, if they're super stressed, being like, look, I am really stressed, but I want to be completely transparent with you because I can't afford to lose you because I've got a connection with you. And what's going on at work is temporary. If I, if I lose you right now, then I may never get you back. Someone who acknowledges a catch is not going to be like, oh, no, I'm busy at work. I've got this fucking contract that I – no. They still will try and lock you down. They're going to try and be as transparent with you because they like you. You have experienced liking someone. You might like someone right now. You're in love with someone. Would you just let them go because you're busy? No. So if they're doing it to you, they just don't feel the same way about you. The next point, super important. Don't ever confuse sex for love. I don't care how good the sex is. I don't care how passionate they are and how good they are and how well they understand your body and how incredible the connection and the chemistry is during sex. I don't care. I don't care. Some people are just passionate lovers. That doesn't mean that they're into you. Unfortunately, that doesn't mean they're into you. So when you could be having sex with someone, you're feeling in this intimate exchange, you might be feeling like all this love pouring out and it's so passionate. It's not just like a random shag. It's this passionate, loving encounter. For them, they might just really enjoy that kind of sex. And for them, they're like, God, this is good. God, I love the sex. And they might just be detached to the rest of it. Never confuse sex for emotion, emotional intimacy. Because if the intimacy doesn't carry on outside the bedroom, they're just not that into you. The intimacy comes in all, the intimacy in a relationship has to flow on well outside the bedroom. It has to be in those subtle things where, you know, they hold you in a certain way or they look in your eyes in a certain way or they can reach out and touch your face or they hold your hand or they want to be embracing you in public. They want to be holding your hand in public. They want to continue that intimacy throughout your entire relationship, not just behind closed doors in the bedroom. If they are treating you the same way that they treat other people outside of the bedroom, the emotional intimacy is not there. If they treat you in a way that they don't treat anyone else as far as physical touch or the way that they respond to you or the way that they behave when you're around as far as like in a, in a loving, intimate, caring, warm way, if there isn't a clear distinction between how they behave around you physically and emotionally versus everyone else, then there is no distinction, okay? So pay attention to how they behave around you and how they behave around other people. Are they only being this way when sex is involved? I know it's really hard to come to terms with this, especially when you've invested so much time, so much time in like sometimes like – you could have been in this thing that strings along for months, 10 months, a year, and there's been no actual commitment. I know it's really hard to see these hard truths and acknowledge them as truths. And it feels quite disempowering. And it also feels like, how can it not be personal, right? Like, how can you not make this personal about yourself? Because it feels like the most personal thing that you're going to have, a connection with someone, especially if you are really into them or if you love them and then you are realizing that they don't love you back. It might initially feel so heartbreaking and it feels like a personal stab. Don't let that then carry on to you not feeling good about yourself or you then finding reasons why you shouldn't love yourself. 
don't do that to yourself because it should never be a personal thing. You should never take it personally if someone's not in love with you. They clearly like you as a person because they're wanting to spend time with you. But when someone doesn't love you, learn to not make that aspect of it personal because it doesn't mean that they don't think you're a good person. I've got many guy friends who I adore, adore. And I think that they're a catch. I think that they're incredible, but I'm not into them, nor will I ever be. And I would never want to date them. That's not a personal stab at them. That's just me acknowledging that there's not a connection at all with those people. It doesn't make them less of a person in my eyes. It doesn't make them less of a legend at all. They could be the people that I hold in the highest esteem in my life, but I just don't want to date them. So don't take it as a personal stab and don't think that you're less of who you are because someone doesn't love you. There should be zero translation between does someone love you versus your self-worth. Don't, don't blur those lines because then that can be quite detrimental to your personal journey towards how you feel towards yourself and how you love yourself. So every time those thoughts start cropping up, nip it in the bud and understand that the two things are completely independent of themselves. How you feel and your worth as a human being is not dependent on if someone loves you back at all. It's completely irrelevant. I know it sucks, but if you can sever that tie with someone that you've just been stringed along with for God knows how long, you then start to, you know, you stop putting your life on hold. The problem is that you right now could be putting your life on hold without even acknowledging it because you're into them. So you're thinking, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this. But if what you want out of this is a relationship and they're not giving it to you, you're putting your life on hold. You're wasting your precious, valuable time. If you also just want to have a casual relationship, then that's fine. You know, if you can both agree that what you've got is casual and you genuinely don't have the love there, no one's stringing anyone along. I have no judgment for that. That's, you know, your personal thing. You're being honest and open. Phenomenal. I'm talking about if you're in love with someone and they're clearly never going to action something, they're clearly never going to feel the same way. The importance of severing that tie, I can't stress enough on how important that is because you are literally tied to that person and you are willing to put your life on hold waiting and hoping that that person is eventually going to see you for who you are and see you as the catch that you are they might never and you are there waiting and you're wasting your time there have been incredible things that I've been able to achieve in my life when I've come to terms with the fact that someone actually has just been stringing me along and I've severed the tie. My fucking trip to Paris was after I severed this tie with someone that, you know, I was literally being stringed along with for ages. And then, you know, once I made it clear in my head that it's done, it's not going anywhere, it's over, you then open up this portal of all these new opportunities. You're like... I'm cutting that dead weight out of my life. Yes, I'm going to be heartbroken for a little bit of time. Yes, that's true. But all these experiences that I can now go on and live and try and experience, buy that one-way ticket, go and do that thing, go and go and do all these things, you'll get over them a lot faster than you than you give yourself credit for. But stop putting your life on hold because you are literally wasting away those hours, those days, those weeks, those months if they're not willing to reciprocate the emotion and to act towards you how you are acting towards them. It's not ever worth it. Time is precious. Value that more than what you think that they're giving you right now. It's not worth it. Now, the last one that I'm going to be talking about is when you are actually 
dating someone, you are in a relationship with someone and you're feeling that they don't feel the same way about you or that their intentions in the relationship while they're committing to you, you feel that it's just, it's kind of half-assed or they're not meeting you halfway. And often if that's the case and you're unsure of where you stand within the relationship or you know those relationships where you like be together then you break up and then you know someone begs for the other person back and then you get back together but then the same issues arise and then you break up all that shit. Often you might find yourself in a relationship where that person acknowledges that you are an amazing catch and for them to have you makes them feel powerful. So they have this need to control you and to have you as their possession. That's not love. That's possessiveness and that's them acknowledging that they've got something really good going on. How many times do you see those relationships where, you know, they're together for ages and one person's, you know, pouring all the love into it and adoring this person, the other person's doing the bare minimum. And then when they break up, the person that was doing the bare minimum is just cruising, doesn't care. And then when the person, the good person, the one that was actually in love, moves on or starts moving on, that's when your ex then comes back. The ex then comes back being like, oh no, I actually like you, I like you. So they're happy to lose you, but they're not happy to have someone else have you. That's a huge sign that it's not love at all. If it, Don't take that as, oh, I'm flattered. You know, that it took someone else wanting to date me for them to realize they loved me. No, it didn't. It took someone else wanting to date you for them to realize that they've got an issue with possessiveness and they are selfish and they don't want anyone else to have you because they acknowledge that you're a catch and they're scared to lose you in case a connection, a better connection doesn't come along. Because if you're both single, but they know you're single, they're fine. But the moment someone starts gaining your attention and trying to woo you over and they're aware of it, they're like, fuck, fuck, I need to get him or her back because what if I never get someone as good as this person? Because you're a catch, right? And they know that. They'd rather be with a catch that they're not in love with than risk being with someone who wasn't as good as you. So that's a huge red flag if they only want to get you back when someone else is showing interest in you. That's not flattering. That's them just trying to control you. Another one is if they say they're going to change, they say they're going to do these things, but they just don't do it. They think that you're never going to leave them. And it's, it's convenient for them to have you because, again, we're talking about is it love or is it a power play? If it's a power play, they don't need to take all this action unless they're on the brink of losing you. So, for example, someone had written in the Facebook group about they've got a partner who's quite angry and aggressive and says that they love them, always goes on about how much they adore them, but really they're always lashing out with anger and they're not doing anything to change it. And she was saying that she's, you know, wanting for this person to, you know, to change their behavior and they say they will, but they never action it. They say they will, they never. That, again, massive red flag. It's not worth your time and you need to leave. If they're never willing to do something that's important to you for the sake of your relationship and for the sake of you, then that's not love. Then it means that they're in this relationship because they deem you to be a catch and they deem you to be good enough for now. But that's not good enough for you. So don't don't make their standards your standards. Also, if you're in a relationship and they kind of want to really separate their friends and you, like you can't... For example, I dated this guy who 
was really intense, really intense and, you know, made – now, in hindsight, I look back and it was all possession and control – but I was mistaking this possession and control, uh, controlling side of him to be that he's, he loves me so much and he just wants me to be around and he wants all these things with me and for me. But every time he was going to go out with his mates, he would be like, oh, it's boys' night, it's boys' night. And I, I'm the most chilled person. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Go and have your boys' night. He's like, no, nah, it's just the boys. It's just the boys. So you can't come. It's a sacred boys' night. I'm like, go for it. But then I find out that there's all these girls at the boys' night. And he's like, nah, nah, but they're just not girlfriends. So some a guy that considers just because you've got the label as girlfriend to be not allowed to cross over into the friendship group. I understand boys' nights, don't get me wrong, or girls' nights. That's fine. But this whole thing of like, oh, girls can be there, just not girlfriends, that's just crossing a weird fucking line. That's them not wanting you to get too close to their mates. They want to keep you at bay. They don't want you to get to – family, they don't mind. Often – they're okay with the family. Often they want the family to like the person that they're dating. So it makes it easier for them. It's the friends that you need to look out for. If they don't want to blur that line between dating and friendship ever, that's a red flag. That's a big red flag. It means they want to control you and their circles and all of that. Someone who's in love is going to try and be fully inclusive. And again, let me be clear, there's nothing wrong with girls' nights and boys' nights but there are sus behaviors that go around it like, oh, we'll invite every girl under the sun, but you, because you're my girlfriend, that's just weird, you know? So I, at the time, thought it was weird, but again, I would go through those behavioral patterns or all those thought processes where I'm like, oh, you know, but, you know, maybe he just wants the time with his mates or maybe those girls are just, you know, have tagged along with his mates. But still, why is it okay for his mates to bring girls but he couldn't bring – it's just weird, right? So start paying attention to those behaviours and if they're kind of doing that to you. And that also goes with if they avoid spending time with your friends as well. They probably will still want to spend time with your family, likely, uh, just because they want to win your family over. So if things do collapse, your family still holds them in high esteem. But with your friends, they're going to kind of keep them at bay and not really try and get too close with them or socialise with them at all. So that pretty much wraps up the three categories that I wanted to talk about as far as knowing if someone is into you or not. You just need to be aware that when someone is not into you, it does feel like the most, you feel so disempowered, it's not funny because that's one thing that we have no control over, how someone feels about us, how, if someone loves us or not. That's one of the things in life that we have zero control over we can control how we are to them we can control how good we are as a person how caring how nurturing how loving but everything that we do is just raising our chances that they might love us back but we have no control whatsoever on how someone feels towards us so it's pretty it feels pretty fucked when you do all these things and when you spend all this time with this person only to realize that real actual love healthy love doesn't exist from their end towards you. It is fucked. But it's also so empowering to be able to say, I'm now walking away because although I can't control how you act towards me, I can control how I respond to a situation. And that is the most powerful thing you can do. And while at the time it feels so difficult, almost impossible, the moment it's done, even if you're sad, you've regained so much power. Your self-respect 
goes up. Your self-worth, your self-value, all of that goes up because you were able to put yourself first and say, I draw the line here. I'm not going to put up with that shit. Every time you find yourself in a situation like this, just think, if my friend was in this situation, what would I think? Would I think that they're being strung along? Would I say they're just not that into you? Or like go and find someone that actually respects you or go and find someone that actually loves you back. That's not wasting your time. That's not stringing you along because they're afraid to be alone. That's not fair. You should never be someone's emotional crutch. You have to meet your match. And I can guarantee you, you actually are better off alone. I know so many people have this fear of being alone, but there's nothing worse than being lied to or being in a situation you're being strung along or having to be, you know, being a dulled down version of you. At least when you're alone, you can be 100% you. You can be the most elevated version of yourself. So stop fearing being alone because that is when you can really become yourself. That's when you can create these new experiences where you can really flesh out who you are, what you want and what you don't want. And funnily enough, the more you can establish that, the more likely you are to make real meaningful connections. The more time you can spend sorting your own shit out, being happy with who you are, being okay with being alone, the quicker these really healthy, positive relationships come in in the way of romantic and also as friends. So get your head out of that idea that being alone is the worst option. It is the second best best option for someone that wants to be in a relationship being alone is the second best option number one is being in a loving reciprocal relationship number two is being alone and then number three is all these fucked up situations that I just mentioned okay so if you want to be in a relationship don't settle for anything other than reciprocal or nothing okay because if you start settling people will then treat you with how you're willing to be treated No one's going to see you and say, oh, look at this weak dog that's being strung along and like basically there when I need them, even though I've been stringing them along, I'm not committing. They've let me know that they love me or they want to commit, but I won't. Yet they still hang around. Great. Great. It's a doormat. I can do whatever I want. That's what they're going to do. No one sees that shit and say, you know what? I'm going to reward you for being a doormat. I'm going to make you my girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife. That shit doesn't happen. So start treating yourself with a little bit more respect than these people are treating with you. Be gone, you weak fucking dog, you soggy lemon. Be gone, okay? So I hope this has empowered you and I hope it's going to make you make these tough, tough, tough calls and cull the duds out of your life. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I hope this has helped. Um, Thrilled that you guys are giving me all the support that you are giving me. If you're not already a member of the Facebook group, jump on it at Do You Fucking Mind with Alexis Fernandez. And you just have to request. And I go on many times a day, like, and I'm accepting people many times a day. Um, Going to try and be a little bit more active on that group as well now that things have eased off with like uni and the book and all of that. Um, yeah, and I will be doing that poll thing or whatever if I can work out how to do it on maybe when I could do maybe a Facebook Live with you guys on that book on the book on the on the Facebook page um and then work out maybe some times that might work for you guys and if not maybe we can do it in the new year we'll see but I'll be hitting you guys up for that kind of information over the next week or so so this podcast gets released on Sunday I think the 13th so I'll be doing that after the 13th guys amazing love you all so much love you that you guys are my beans of life and really, really grateful for all your support. Please keep sharing it as you've been doing. It's been incredible 
rate and review the podcast if you have the time to do so. And that is all. So just remember, be kind to everyone, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brain and don't take shit from anyone, especially people that are stringing you along and don't take shit from yourself. Amazing. Thank you, everyone. Danke.